Hey, what's going on, my friend? Welcome back to the show. This is Daryl Evans, your host. Thank you so much for being here. Today, I wanna to talk about three big mistakes that business owners make when it comes to scaling their business. And it doesn't matter if you're just getting started or if you've been in business for 20 years, these three are universal. They sit at the base, they sit at the foundation of growth and scale. Over the last 30 years, I've you know had the opportunity to be an entrepreneur and start, grow, and have a couple actual failures in business. Um, but over the last 12 years, I've been behind the scenes on quite a few companies now with their marketing and growth, especially related to online. And I see the same themes popping up over and over again. I see the same themes in my life. I see the same things in my businesses. And I'm not preaching here. I'm simply identifying what I think are three of the core mistakes that business owners are making, myself included. And so we have to think about these three in each of their silos because they actually impact businesses in three separate ways. And the first one is going to be not having a consistent lead generation process. You have to think that in business, there are so many ways today to grow your business. But at the end of the day, lead generation is the number one activity to growing your business. It's the number one activity. You could say, oh, yeah, I need the right team to get the production done. Sure. You could say, I need the right supplier. Sure. You can say, we need to get the right formula. Sure. We need to get the right you know, execution, right. We need the right building. Sure. Website, right. Okay. Gotcha. But the business won't grow until someone is interested in raising their hand saying that they want to work with you. I heard this from an Australian gentleman and I can't think of his name offhand, but I want to say that I didn't come up with the way that I'm about to say this. It was him. I was listening to him on a podcast and I never thought about it this way. And he goes, you can't do sales. Like, you can't leave your office and say, I'm going to go do 10 sales today. You're actually not doing 10 sales. You're not doing revenue, right? You can't leave the office and say, well, I'm going to do 10 revenues today. And I thought it was very interesting. You could say you're going to make the sale, but the sale is not something you control. You can only control your behavior in route to making the sale. So the interesting thing about it is this idea of not having a consistent lead generation process. Whenever my businesses have been struggling, whenever we have not had enough sales opportunities, it's been because of this one mistake. Somewhere along the line, we've changed, turned off, not put enough focus in our lead generation process. Today, that could mean our SEO efforts. It could mean our paid advertising efforts. It could mean that we're offering the market something it doesn't want anymore. What used to work isn't working now. So many people I talk to are in that boat. So we've got to be constantly thinking about what does the market want in relationship to what we do, what we sell, what we serve, and how do we continually make sure that that bridge for lead generation is always on. There is no business around that doesn't have to have an always on lead generation mechanism. Let me go to the next scenario. And that is the next mistake is not having a proven conversion process. You know, I hate to say it, but I see a lot of entrepreneurs and businesses winging it. They don't have a completely dialed in sales process. If you're a service provider and you work one-on-one, -on -one, you change your script based on what the customer needs. If you are dialing by phone or you're taking your inquiries by phone, you don't actually follow the same plan every time someone gets on a call. If they come into your office, I mean, I'm witnessing this because what we'll find is we'll find a certain number of leads that we drive into a business and they'll talk to us about the outcome of the engagements 
and we'll talk to them. Actually, in some cases, we record the calls so we can actually listen and provide the feedback on the sales side. But it's interesting. You don't follow the same plan. I'd like to think about world-class restaurants. What if they winged it when they were making a beef wellington? Instead of the way they do it most nights where they put the mushroom mix in, they just decided maybe to put a broccoli mix in. You're not going to get the same result. What if you winged it on making a delicious chocolate cake and you decided, no, nah, I'm going to go with something else besides eggs tonight. No, success comes from duplication and consistency. So what I find in, in sales specifically is not having a proven sales process, a proven sales formula, one that you repeat over and over and over again. You know, when I was in the mortgage industry, and I, I often talk about that because for me, it was in the neighborhood of 1,700 mortgage loans that I wrote during that 12-ish year time period. That doesn't happen by winging it. You could argue, well, every customer had their own need. True. Every customer might have gotten a different product. That's not true, actually, because there's only so many products, but I get where you're going. But the acquisition process, the process was the same. It's like running on a treadmill in a way. You know, treadmills get a, a bad rap in the gym, you know, from people over the years. I remember when I was first starting in the fitness world, working out and, and just being serious about my health, people used to just dog the treadmill like it was just an irrelevant uh, device in the gym. And of course, there's just people that have their beliefs. But this proven sales process is very much like a treadmill, as is your lead generation process. Um, but we can't be winging it when it comes to the sales conversation. We can't wing it when it comes to the offer, the invitation, and the checkout process if you're doing business online. You know, I think about an e-commerce company that I worked with a while ago, probably inside the last eight months, 12 months. And I remember looking at their checkout process. So their process to get the visitor to the site was one, it was going well. They were using good social media, good social media advertising. They had a nice app and mobile experience. And then I noticed there was something in the checkout process that was a little strange to me. And by the way, I wasn't even a consumer of the products. It was a women's product. But it was just very interesting because as a consumer, I said, it's interesting that it's slightly different on the website than it was on the mobile device. And I said, that's not consistent, right? So what happens on the mobile device should happen on the website. Otherwise, you're going to interrupt the sales process. So we fixed it, right? It was an easy fix. Once I pointed it out, once I saw it, they are in the picture. So they can't see what's happening from outside the frame, right? So that's why you have, you know, a growth strategist in your corner. Um, so I was able to, to notice that. But this idea of being consistent, mistake number two is this idea of just sort of being random in your process. Don't be random in your process and look at your process today and figure out where you might be being random. If you take a call, are you following a certain process where you're putting it in the CRM, setting up a deal, setting up certain automation, whatever the case is, what is that process that you're using? Mistake number three. And this is one that hurts more businesses than I can imagine. And that is failing to recognize the lifetime value of every lead and customer that comes into your world not having what I call a lifetime value equation process in your business. I was on a call maybe a month and a half ago, and the senior leader of this company was telling me about the friction that they were getting from the sales team from their efforts in marketing. And there had been a significant shift in lead generation acquisition, or basically their step one. There's a shift in the market. You've got to be ready to move and be agile and shift with the, the winds. 
So there was a significant shift. But what it did was it was bringing in a different type of inquiry to the universe of this organization and specifically their sales team. And so there was friction. There was feedback. There was, hey, these leads aren't the same quality. These leads aren't ready to buy. These leads are not good, et cetera, et cetera. It's actually very common for friction like this to take place when a company's trying to press through a plateau and a ceiling and trying to turn around something that isn't working as well as it used to. The fact is, if we look at the lifetime value opportunity, where in this company's case, under $10 a lead, to get them into their world, it was under $10 a lead. For a B2B business, high ticket service, I don't know the total lifetime value of the organization for a typical customer, but my gut tells me it was north of $8,000, I believe. So we're getting people into our world for $10 with a lifetime value average of $8,000. Let me help you with the math on that. How on earth do you get to decide if that lead is good or bad? Because if they came through the door and it cost you 10 bucks to get them in the door, your job simply is to understand if they came through the door for this reason, this request, this item of value, this invitation, this lead magnet, whatever you're using, why on earth would they have done that if they weren't interested in solving that problem? And see, what most people fail to think about is that you just haven't proved that you can help them solve the problem. What you did do in this <laughs> is you proved that you actually knew one of the problems they had, but they're not sure they trust you yet to solve the problem. So the sales team is like, they're not ready to buy. Well, duh, the whole mechanism changed. And so there needed to be some work and there's still some refining work that's going on between the processes and the communication and the structure. And what are we going to do if they're not ready to buy today and that kind of thing? So there's some rehashing, but so many businesses don't even think about the lifetime value, you know, six businesses now, almost all in service businesses, although I've helped a lot of product companies and SaaS companies along the way, but I've owned mostly service businesses. Now, what's interesting to me is a study that I've talked about here on the podcast many times, and I got that study from Dean Jackson. I don't know when I first heard about that back in 2002, 2003, it kind of blew my mind and I just believed it. Like I've never seen the study. I just listened to what Dean Jackson had to say in one of our sessions. And he indicated a study that generally speaking, and again, I'm paraphrasing, but of 100 people that inquired about your product or service or came into your world, about 10 or 15% would buy it in the near term, call it zero to 90 days, 10 or 15%. I don't know if that's the same number today. I don't know if I've seen that through all of my years behind the scenes with companies, but let's just say that that's the number, 10 to 15%, because we're just doing some round math on 100. That means your real opportunity are the 10 to 15%. And if you just go back to the episode I just recorded about how you close more sales, and I talked about the iceberg theory, it's the idea that everybody is chasing this 10 or 15%. The lifetime value opportunity, though, is when you catch those people that inquired, and I think the statistic from that survey was that 35% or more will buy that thing, that product, that service, in the next 90 days, to 18 months. And the funny thing is, is they were just as qualified the day they came in, they, their timing was just off. You want them to buy on your time frame. They want to buy on their time frame, And because you wanted what you wanted in your process, not what they wanted in their process, then you weren't around when they actually bought it. 
I'll finish with this one quick story that it solidified this whole concept to me. And again, going back to some days when I was in the mortgage business, I worked with this couple for 33 months. And now, by the way, when I say work with them, I didn't sit down with them every week or every month. We had a meeting or two when we first figured out if they could or couldn't qualify. They had a few challenges with their credit. We gave them the formula to improve their credit. They actually made a couple more mistakes along the way. That's what happens in life. We're not perfect. So it pushed off the requirement because you had to have uh, no late payments uh, within a certain period of time. And they, they made a couple boo-boos along the way. It's no big deal, but it took them 33 months. And here's the point that I want to drive home as we wrap up. It took them 33 months for them to close that transaction with me, for me to actually help them get a home loan uh, with a decent interest rate. Um, but here's the punchline. Because I took good care of them, they referred me six deals in that 33-month process because I had a lifetime value mentality. I had a lifetime value mentality. My mentality was, I don't care when they buy, they're going to buy it from me when they're ready. And because I treated them with respect and I treated them with the same care as if they were a now buyer, they did eventually close with me, but they sent me six more customers along the way. That is a lifetime value equation. That's a lifetime value process. So to wrap this up, you must have a lead generation process that's working always. You must have a proven sales conversion process that's consistent, and you've got to be thinking lifetime value. If you've gotten some value out of today's talk, I would invite you to think about those three in your world. Maybe two of them are working well and you just need help with one of them. These three areas are things that I specialize in. These are things that my agency specializes in. These are things that I feel like are in a way my superpower in a way not because i've scaled you know billion dollar businesses or what have you because but i've been helping businesses not just growing mine but helping companies now for the last 12 years with my agency and my teams over there and so if you happen to be in need of some assistance in any of these three areas i'd love for you to head over to either darylevans.net or head over to growthdrivenentrepreneur.com and if you've enjoyed today's episode and you know someone who needs to hear it, do me a favor, pass this on to them. If you're listening today for the first time and you're not subscribed, not following the show, I'd invite you to do that. And I'll see you back on another episode. I hope this provided some sort of insight and value for you today. And I'll see you again next time. Take care.